everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics, brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode will interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Brunch and Learn podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to and learn from women entrepreneurs in their subject matter expertise. And we'll be getting into brunch a little bit later in the episode. But for now, today's topic is we're talking all about podcasting. And our guest today is Christine O'Donnell. She is an Emmy-nominated TV journalist and podcast coach and is the host of Podcast Coaching with Christine, a resource for growth, motivation, and community for podcasters. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nicole. Glad to be here. How about we start and kick things right off of telling the listeners a little bit more about you, your career journey, how you got started with working with companies and solopreneurs to develop their their podcast goals. Wonderful. I'd love to dive in. So my background is in TV news reporting. Uh, When I was a little girl, like I'm going all the way back there. (laughs) When I was a little girl. Take us back. This like strange affinity for for April O'Neil from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I was born in the month of April and my last name had an O and an apostrophe in it, just like April O'Neil. So I felt like we were like one in the same and her friends were a bunch of turtles and I thought that was really cool. (laughs) So I, I just was like, I'm supposed to be a reporter, like growing up as a child, that's what I thought I was supposed to be. And then I like pulled on that thread and Harriet the Spy came out. So so I'm a millennial. I love Harry the Spy. Stop. <laughs> and I, I was writing in my little notebook that I wrote private on the front and I made a bell and like had like felt that I turned into a pocket and for the notebook. And I just, gosh, I loved, I just loved that. I miss being a kid sometimes. Um, anywho, one of the neighbors called the police on me. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, eight. And, um, and my dad had to have a conversation about how I shouldn't like look in people's windows anymore. So <laughs> from their backyards, oh my gosh, I sound like the creepiest little kid ever. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I kind of got out of that phase for a few years <laughs> through high school and so on and so forth and um, found my way back into it right before I graduated. I ended up in AP history um, being like the journalist for this video project that we were doing and was like, oh, hey, I actually really do enjoy speaking to people and having conversations about like what they really care about. And everyone else didn't really want to go on camera. And for some reason, I'm a huge introvert, Nicole but I felt more comfortable in front of the camera than I did in front of people whose like eyeballs would look back at me. So still super, I'm still super awkward person in a crowd, um, in front of a crowd (laughs) or in a crowd. But, um, 
anyway, I ended up majoring in journalism in college and got a job in TV news reporting right out of school and moved up that TV news reporting ladder really quickly. I started off in a small market in Augusta, Georgia, um, where I covered a lot of crime as an MMJ, which I like to call my dating period because what an MMJ is, is someone who actually goes out on their own with the camera and the tripod and there's like no other person with them. Like I was driving my own car sometimes or a news vehicle to a crime scene in the middle of the night so that I would have like video that nobody else would have. And now I would have contacts with the police that nobody else had because I was the one at the crime scene in the middle of the night getting this footage or, or whatever was happening. And sometimes what was happening was really scary and I probably shouldn't have been there. But like I said, it was my dating period. And I also had to learn how to like handle my emotions because it because it's really emotional to be a reporter and to talk to people on these like absolutely horrible days in their lives. And I didn't feel comfortable doing it at first. Um, but for me to like stay and actually get hired at the position full, like, like full time, instead of just being a freelancer or a temporary employee, I had to be really competitive and try and get a leg up on people. And so that's one of the reasons why I was like going, going, going and doing and going to these crime scenes. And um, that ended up being what was expected of myself. And I'm not just like, and other reporters, every reporter in Augusta, Georgia, who I was like also reporting with at the same time, like was expected to do this. So I, I wasn't like out of the norm. So, so yeah. I, my first year was my dating period because I used to cry a lot while I was interviewing people because it was really difficult for me to have these conversations. And, um, and then I ended up, yeah, just becoming good at it. Um, I wasn't good in front of the camera right away, but I was good with the interviewing. I was good with the writing. I was good with the journalism. I was good with the people stuff, the one-on-one -on -one people stuff. <laughs> and then I ended up, yeah, they ended up hiring me full-time and I ended up again, moving up the ladder and being hired in, in New York and in uh, Los Angeles and also in Boston. So I ended up covering the news on the national scale within my 10 years working as a news reporter. So I started hyper-local, hyper-hyper-local <laughs> as a child and, and ended up on the national stage for a few years before a scandal struck. And I ended up moving into a, a marketing role at a health company that I totally wasn't expecting, but but I needed some help with my mental health at that point. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it was really actually a great place for me to land at that, um, that health and wellness company um, because I ended up working with these amazing women who just reminded me uh, that I was valuable and reminded me that I had all of this self-worth that I kind of lost when this scandal hit while I was working um, in the TV news business. So, 
Um, and then through marketing, I found podcasting and that's, a, and then we can keep going from there, but that's kind of <laughs> that's, like that's so mysterious. The scandal. Background. Yes. Scandal. Okay. <laughs> there was so many things that you said that I resonated with. I laugh cried because I also wanted to be Harriet the Spy and I had a notebook that also said private on the front. And like, this was like pre Shark Tank, but my Shark Tank idea was like, I, that's where I would write my like inventions. So I wasn't like a reporter, but like just inventions. Mm-hmm. And it was like medicine ice pops. Cause like, I didn't want to take medicine. Ugh, like, and now it, not, it's out there now, but like, I but. think that's a thing. I think I might have one of those <laughs> to give to my children. <laughs> Uh, but that's where I was in my Harriet the Spy days. I like and it. I, I feel that I, I don't know how any journalist does it because they're always so like flat in a way. Like there's never seems to be an, any emotion or like it's just, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't think that. I, so you see the reporter on camera for the news hit for like a minute and a half, but that reporter has most likely been working on the story for the entire day. And that means like if they're reporting on something awful that happened, that they had to be the one who knocks on a family member's door and, and has Mm. a really uncomfortable conversation about something really sad and horrible. And so I, I, a lot of the people who I worked with in the news business were also very empathetic and thoughtful and didn't want to have to be there and, and meeting people at this horrible moment. But sometimes that it could be an opportunity for catharsis or unexpected catharsis when you're talking to somebody about somebody you lost um, in a way almost where it feels like you can talk to them through the camera lens. It's a little bit weird, but, and I'm not a psychologist, a therapist. I wouldn't, I don't claim to be, but I just know that sometimes when I was speaking with people, they would thank me afterwards and say, you know, that like, that was helpful to me, or they would contact me days later or or months later, or, or still today, I have people who I covered their stories and they follow me on Facebook or they follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn and write me a message from time to time. So, um, reporters, they might look very stoic in front of the camera, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who really felt for the people who I was interviewing. Yeah. And what was it about podcasting that really like, I want to do this? It wasn't that at first. Um, It wasn't, I think because of what happened to me in the TV news business, the the scandal, and I'm happy to talk about it. Um, I've, if, I've done if, some growth. <laughs> if you're comfortable, I didn't. At, at first, <laughs> I think I know what it is, but no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm curious what you might have found. <laughs> if you've Googled me, there's a good chance you'll find it. Uh, I did a video, po- like a social media video, that was taken out of context by a uh, trade publication blogger and they turned something that wasn't scandalous and trust me if I was a man it definitely wouldn't be scandalous but they took something out of context and and made it 
super salacious and sexual. And, uh, and that blog that, that this guy wrote got me fired. I'd expect it. I had a video post where I was talking like just to my Instagram community about how I went to work eight hours too early because my schedule was changed without me knowing. And it was just like a problem with the system. And like these things happen sometimes and it wasn't anybody's fault, but Hey, I still went to work eight hours too early and now I have to go back again. And um, the scandalous thing was because I had filmed it from my bed and this report, this, this blogger said that I was naked in my bed or in my underwear. And like, I was reporting from my under in my underwear. And this was not true. <laughs> like <laughs> anyone who knows me or has followed me over the years, like knows that I'm not the person to put myself out there in any sort of salacious or sexual or scandalous way. And so for this person to take it out of context in the way that he did, and then for this news station to fire me for it, it just kind of, it, it's ridiculous. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense for that to have be what happened. But as it turns out, I think I was a scapegoat for some larger issues. And when I think back of back about it, I get a like, I was really, really hurt and like depressed when like they fired me for this social media post. But when I think about it, I really was more upset that I didn't say anything because my agent was like, don't say anything. And like the news director was like, don't say anything. And, and, and people didn't want me talking about it, but I was like, and, cause they were too afraid I wasn't going to be able to get another job in the TV news industry. Well, surprise, I didn't. <laughs> and I take ownership for that. And I should have sp spoken up. So I get angry because I didn't speak up for myself back then. And so when I found myself in the podcasting world, um, I started producing podcasts on behalf of other experts and gurus, which was really a nice break for me to like not be in front of the camera anymore, in front of the microphone. I got to help other people really perform in front of the microphone and do an amazing job and interview people and and leave that interview feeling changed or different. Like there are some interviews you can have with people that move them to like their soul and they move you to your soul and and you both leave that conversation feeling better and excited and and like you can take on this next thing in the world and I really loved doing that for other people and again it was like healing for me to like take a step backwards and not be the one in front of the camera because when you're in front of the camera or the microphone that's when you let yourself like you're open yourself up to scrutiny and yeah. I had just been scrutinized a lot. <laughs> so it was really nice for me to take a back seat to that. Um, and then as time went on, I ended up being referred out and that turned into like by people I was producing podcasts for and one referral turned into two referrals, which turned into three referrals. And then then I was like, oh, wow, like maybe, just maybe I could leave this marketing job and produce podcasts for people full time. And that could be my job. Could that be possible for me that I could help people use their voices to own their own power in front of the microphone? That could be amazing. And so I took a jump to see if maybe I could do this on my own as a solopreneur and an entrepreneur and 
And, and I, I did it. <laughs> I started doing it. It has not been like a straight upward, like trend for me. There've been high moments and low moments and I'm only one person and you can't really scale as one person in podcast production. And so I kind of shifted a little bit and started doing more coaching for people and teaching other people what I was doing for these other hosts so that that way they could do it as well. And they could start growing their own shows in ways that I had been doing it for other people. So I kind of pivoted instead of doing all of these different productions where I was helping other people with their productions and and again, still using their voices. And so like, I'm really fueled by helping people specifically women use their voice when they're in front of the camera, because I still am angry for the time that I didn't use my voice when I was in front of the camera and I could have, and I just let all of the scrutiny and the vitriol come at me and I just took it and then I believed it. And then I just felt bad about myself. And I just like forgot that I can be a valuable person in the world. And so, and that's where that like (laughs) wonderful group of women that I ended up working with at that marketing company, like they really like put the pieces back together somehow. (laughs) Like this is why I think women are just so wonderful because you can like look at someone else and see how amazing them they are when sometimes they just forget about it. And so anyway, so that's, does that answer your question? (laughs) I don't know if it makes you feel any better, but that is not at all what I found on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it's like long in the archives. Oh, what is the thing you found? I thought someone just got you mixed up with like a different name, like this um, Republican representative, I think. Yes. No, Christine O'Donnell. That's what I thought. The woman who ran for actually Joe Biden's seat in Delaware, like so many years ago, her name is Christine O'Donnell as well. And, and people would get me confused with her because I'm also verified on social media. <laughs> so people would get us wow. confused. I, I know. And um, think that I was her. And so when she, and she has done some things that are a little bit silly to try and get votes. Like for example, and, and, and I don't want to like, like make her feel bad for this, but I, I think someone advised her, you know, the whole, I'm not a witch, I'm you comment I don't know if you remember there was this political campaign a long time ago where she like stood in front of the mic ground mic and she's like I'm not a witch I'm not anything you've heard I'm you and so it like became this meme before memes were really memes and and so anyway she is very republican very conservative she has different beliefs than me she's very different than I am And people would confuse me for her on social media and then send me death threats and send me awful messages. And, um, and I've also gotten them as myself. So (laughs) I'm just saying either way, it's not nice. You should never send things like that to people. And, and you should look someone in the eye if you have a critique for them and share it with them instead of hiding behind your keyboard. So or your computer screen. But I feel for her because she has had a lot of really awful things said about her and her family. And, and I know because I've seen it. Um, And I'm not her. That didn't cost me my job that 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 is something I did speak up about in the past, because I just don't think it's nice. 
I'm sorry that happened to you, but I'm, I'm glad it brought you here to me and talking about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to full circle it. Yeah, full circle. Here we are. <laughs> We're talking about podcasting today. And I think, I think the point is that we all have a story, right? We've all been through something and our stories can uplift each other and make each other feel more powerful. They can lead to um, business opportunities, lead for way, like ways that we can actually grow our own financial bank, like our own bank accounts um, by collaborating with other people and creating project products and projects and virtual products. And so there's a lot of really exciting things that can happen with podcasting. Shall we go into the podcast questions? For sure, Nicole. Awesome. I wanted to know what your favorite podcast to listen to is and why. So surprisingly, I probably don't listen to as many podcasts <laughs> as because I'm so busy at like working with my, uh, my coaching clients on their podcasts. So I would say a podcast that I do listen to almost every day is the newsworthy. It's a 10 minute like news update show by Erica Mandy. Um, Erica is a reporter, uh, or, or a former LA news reporter. We actually used to work together in the field here in Los Angeles, like um, she worked for CBS. I worked for Fox 11 and, um, we would be at the same, um, stories together, reporting on them for different shows. Um, and she has her own podcast called the newsworthy. It's called, it, it's all your news in 10 minutes, fast, fair, and on the go. I really, I, I love her show. It's really easy to get all of the news I need. I'm, I am a mom. I have two kids <laughs> under three right now. So it's, um, and I still like to stay informed. So I listen to that every day. One of my favorite podcasts, I think of all time is probably Dr. Death. It is a news journalism inspired podcast and it's so good. Have you listened to it, Nicole? No, I did oh. like cereal when it first came out and then I quit. Oh yeah. So I'm not, I to cereal. I'm not I too into crime. Okay. I'll have the night, I'll have the night terrors. (laughs) Okay. Well, don't listen to Dr. Death because it definitely will make you not like there's some scary stuff there. Like that's based in reality. So, um, what else do I really like? I, I mean, of course I enjoy how I built this. I enjoy, um, you know, some of the podcasts that I've helped people with. Um, that I also really enjoy include Self-Made Sister. This is a podcast by Anna Keenan, and she is a marketing manager for Kendra Scott, the jewelry company. And so she interviews successful female entrepreneurs who are on their journey, and she's actually an amazing interviewer as well. I think that you guys would really enjoy each other. <laughs> Nicole, you and Anna should like have a chat, <laughs> be on each other's <laughs> podcasts at some point. I really enjoy your podcast. I actually was just listening to your most recent episode and it's great. The stories that you get and what we hear from different women out there, they're talking about how they did it and then what they like to eat. Thank you. 
I love talking about brunch. Me too. <laughs> and I was also curious of just like what you can you tell us a little bit more about the current landscape of podcasting? Any stats? You know, I had heard you know, all the things, keep a blog, blog is dead, podcast is the new thing. And then there's all the TikTok. And uh, so where are we at with podcasts? <laughs> well, podcasts, there's still a lot of room for growth. A lot of people ask me or have this like idea in their head that everybody has a podcast, um, which is not the case. And it's still, I mean, yes, a lot of people have podcasts, but everybody doesn't have a podcast. I would say everybody has a blog. Yeah. <laughs> I would also say considerably more people have YouTube channels than have podcasts. Um, I do think podcasting is a place where if you want to have a conversation with someone, if you are somebody who is craving connection and you want to hear more about this thing that you're super interested in, and you can't find a podcast about it, create it. And, and then have those conversations with the people you're interested in having the conversations with, because now you have an excuse to have those conversations and you'll have an archive of that information and there will be people who are interested in it. And so uh, when it comes to creating podcasts um, or, or statistics specifically, I, there are more podcasts now than there ever have been, but right. Podcasting is in an upward trend. It is still something that most people like a lot of people don't even know what a podcast is still. So there's probably about like 40% of the world who don't even know what a podcast is yet. According, like according to Edison research, which is kind of the gold standard for podcasting data. So check out Edison Research. They've got a lot of really great information there. Podcasting. So there, it also is a place where there's a lot of room for ad growth. The podcasting industry, as well as um, the Audible, like the book online, the audiobooks industry, are on trend to hit $2 billion in ad sales this year. Like, two billion dollars in ad sales in podcasts and audiobooks together so there is definitely people out there who are listening to people talk to each other they're not looking at it they're listening because one you can feel like you're having a conversation with people and not feel maybe so alone in your home right now <laughs> Yeah. Um, and also you can usually multitask while you're listening to podcasts, which isn't always the case with like a good TV show. Like if you're someone who's watching Bridgerton right now, you can't really like walk away. You don't want to miss some of those scenes. You want to watch it. Definitely. <laughs> Even if you don't want to watch it, you want to watch it. <laughs> Even if you want other people in the room to close your eyes, you want to keep your eyes open. <laughs> so you can see it. Um, but but with a podcast, you don't necessarily have to be looking. You can still gain the information and get the, the good stuff. Um, I miss a second of that, Duke. You were spot on. <laughs> so good. I like. I I watched it twice. I mean, <laughs> wow. 
some scenes I wanted to re-see. Whatever, we're home alone in our homes <laughs> these days. <laughs> anyway, um, we, uh, we, we, so that, <laughs> we have been totally sidebarred. Uh, if you're still with us. <laughs> Um, we were talking about podcasting statistics, and and I think the point is here: there are people who there is an audience for it. People are listening. People enjoy listening to podcasts because they can do other things at the same time, and it's also kind of on demand, like throughout your day. Like, say you want to wake up and listen to one thing, you can listen to it. Then you can pause it. Then you might have work to do throughout the day. And then you can come back to your podcast that you like to listen. So if it's a story-based podcast, you can check that out. Or if you want to check out something a little bit different, um, you can do that as well. And so like, I like to listen to podcasts when I first wake up in the morning as I'm like getting ready for the day and getting my kids ready for the day. And then I like to listen usually while I'm making dinner. So I've got kind of something in the background going on and, and I'm looking at a recipe and trying to figure out how to make it and get it done so that we eat something healthy instead of just like all of the chips and all of the pizza. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that it has like a longevity to it where I find, and it's probably with my SEO that just random things, like it's not even the most recent things that are getting, um, you know, downloaded and listened to. It's like even just a mix of things. So really interesting. Yeah. I also wanted to ask what your advice might be to someone even just getting started in creating a podcast. So for anybody who is thinking about creating a podcast, I challenge them. I actually have a survey that I send to people who I end up working with or, or who are thinking about whether or not they should start a podcast. And it's all about, should you podcast? Is this something that meets your goals? Like what are your long-term goals with your business or with like this podcast, like why do you want to create it? Do you want this to serve as a lead magnet for your business? And if so, what does this podcast look like? Who is the audience? Who's going to be listening? Um, So it's really like figuring out if podcasting is the right thing for you, because there are other things that might be more effective for people depending on what their goals are. So it's really figuring out like, yes, a lot, like almost everyone can podcast, um, I would say everyone can podcast, but should they podcast is is a very real question. And so it's figuring that out first. So I would ask yourself, why am I podcasting? Is it because I want to build brand authority for my company or for myself? Is it because I want to be a thought leader in this specific industry? Is it because I want to sell more of my product? Is it because I have a story on my heart that I just need to get out of my body and I want to put it out there? Is it because you want to meet new people? and Or is it something like you have a hobby that you just want to like chit chat with your friends and you're looking for like something new to do um, with your time? And, and maybe at some point you're thinking it could make money for you and you're wondering how does that connect? So I really challenge people to ask themselves these questions and then figure out who is their audience? What does their audience care about? What is your value proposition? What can you bring to them? And what is your purpose of podcasting? And when you align what your value proposition is, who your audience is and what they care about, 
with what your purpose for podcasting is, whatever that thing is in the middle of that, like den Venn diagram, that's what your podcast should be about. And if that's still something where you're like, I am passionate about that. I want to do that for people and for myself. Then I would say, take the next step, because if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to keep doing it. It's really easy to pod fade. And so, um, those are my thoughts. On that. <laughs> I feel like you kind of went into my next question of finding your audience and your right niche market. <laughs> Yeah, well, start with why. (laughs) Yeah, figure out why you're doing it. And then, and then figure out exactly what I just talked about. Those completely overlap. If your audience is your niche, and it max like mixes with your business and what you care about, then, then you're onto something. And, and you'll notice other people are doing this too. And the reason they're doing it too, is because it works. So, so you are onto something. Um, something I do want to caution people about, or, or not, it's not really a cautionary thing. It's just, um, when you first start podcasting, you might notice that you don't have the downloads that you were expecting. Like you're like, Oh, I launched. And I thought I was going to have like a thousand downloads or like at least a hundred downloads. And then it's like, Oh, 30 people listened. And like, 10 of those are your like parents watching it, like listening it to them on like all the different devices that they have. <laughs> um, uh, and that's okay. It takes a while. Podcasting has a long tail. And what that means, and this is something you mentioned, Nicole, is your SEO, like what you title your podcast, people are going to search for what you're titling. So if your audience is asking a question, like, how do I podcast? Make your podcast title. How do I podcast? (laughs) Um, Or here's how you podcast. And so you're answering someone's question that they type into Google. And, and so what you'll find is maybe in your first couple weeks, you don't have as many downloads as you were thinking you were going to have. But as your title gets typed into Google, more and more and more, all of a sudden things start to take off for you. And so I wouldn't be discouraged if things don't happen right away. I also suggest people start out seasonally. So that way you are testing whether or not you like doing this thing, working on this production, Um, because having an ongoing production that you consistently keep up with, because consistency is key. If you want to grow your podcast, it's like, you've got to release an episode every Tuesday at the same time. Like if you do that, then Apple podcast and Google podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and Pandora and like everywhere you listen to podcasts will remember this is Nicole's time. This is when she always releases a podcast and that will make you to start ranking with them. So if you can schedule your podcast and your media hosting platform so that it releases at the same date and time every single week, you will start to trick the algorithm or not trick, but like teach the algorithm when you're gonna be having a new episode out and they're gonna trust you because you are so consistent that your podcast will start to gain more traction and rank faster within the different apps. Awesome tip. I've done it consistently, but depending on my editing fatigue, 
it will be a couple days off. Yeah. Great tip. <laughs> <laughs> and then going into essentials, tools, software, what do you yeah. need or recommend to get started? Um, I actually have a, a link tree link on my Instagram right now for people who are looking for podcasting essentials for 2021. Um, and, and yes, it includes the mics, the headphones, the, it, it depends on the kind of podcast you want to do. I think that one of the easiest types of productions right now is the one that we're doing, like where it's through zoom, you've got a microphone, it's a microphone that's a USB that you can plug into your computer and, and then record through software like zoom or Squadcast or Zencast, or it, it just depends. And yes, headphones are, are important. A microphone is important. A pop filter helps if you're someone like me who I get a little passionate and I start to <laughs> pop my peas. So I do suggest the pop filter. Um, one of the, I think, top microphones for recording is the Audio-Technica. And I do have a link to that in my link tree. So if, if you're interested in that and my instagram is called the christine od if you want to check that out and see what i've listed in the podcasting essentials for 2021 um, a new trend that's probably going to start happening for podcasters who want to grow in 2021 is video <laughs> and live podcasts. So if, if you are going live with video, that's going to be, and then reposting on YouTube is a way where you're going to start to grow your podcast faster. So if you're looking for like a hack and you want to grow really fast, I would suggest doing YouTube as well as your podcast audio and um, not beating yourself up because right like we beat ourselves up about how we look all of the time people who listen on youtube are not still going to be like staring at your face the whole time they're gonna they're gonna leave they're gonna walk around and again it's nice just to have a conversation with people who are being real so if you think say things like like and um and there are moments where you make mistakes in a conversation that's okay and i wouldn't worry about it with the podcast or with the video because that's how we talk and that's how people connect to each other. And sometimes those, like the real moments of connection happen in those moments where you mess up, like happen when you are more vulnerable because you didn't stick to the script or, and I wouldn't even worry about a script. I would just be yourself and talk to the person you're talking to. Like you would talk to your, your friends, like just to have a conversation and try not to get into your head too much. I know easier said than done. I really know this because I have messed up on camera before <laughs> while I was working on the, in the TV news, like before that other thing happened, I have totally like frozen in front of the camera. And I've had moments where like, I've had extreme stage fright, but you can overcome them. And I would just suggest you that I do have some tips for you. I can, I have a a sheet to share with people who might need some help with that. I can, um, I can give you a yeah. link if you're curious. Yeah. That makes me feel a little bit better because I feel like I'm such a, um, in the editing process police. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so <laughs> it's okay. 
we all say um nicole it's okay okay thank you I actually thought you were going to say uh, captioning. Mm. I mean, well, it, it makes sense, the video. It makes a total sense. And, but and more accessibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, accessibility is super important. Um, captioning or transcription, I think, has is always been a really important part of podcasting. Um, it's something I... Uh, there, and there are some really great services that you can pay that do amazing, beautiful transcriptions but they're kind of expensive rev.com is one that does amazing transcriptions if you are case investing in transcriptions um however if you do upload your say zoom video into youtube and you make it you publish it you don't necessarily have to make it public but you can um, it can be private and once it's been published even privately or unlisted you can generate, YouTube will generate for you a, dis a transcription of your whole show. So for free, like it's so, uh, something that they offer. So you can get this full transcription. I would also read over it. There will probably be some corrections or at least like put a disclaimer in at the very top being like, hey, this was an auto-generated transcription. Uh, there may be some errors, errors below. I apologize for those or, or something like if, if you don't get a chance to completely go through your transcript before you also publish, publish it. But I do think it is helpful to have a transcript as well. And that's through and YouTube. For accessibility and for, tra um, for SEO purposes. Yeah, YouTube, YouTube. will give you a- okay. um, I thought Zoom is starting to do caption. I think, I think it's a are, new update, maybe. I think that they are doing it, but I, it's, I think it, it's something you have to pay for. Ah, I gotcha. Awesome. Wanted to see what tips do you have for having a su successful interview, whether that's on the podcaster side or the guest speaker side? I do. I actually, I have seven tips to own the mic and level up your performance, whether you are the host or the guest. And I will share a link with you with all of those tips um, that you could share in your show notes. Um, one of them, of course, is preparation. And so I would, if you're going to be on someone else's podcast, I would listen to that person's podcast to know how the flow of the show goes. I would also think to myself, hey, what does this podcast audience want? Like, how do I serve you, Nicole, as the host of this podcast? Like, how do I serve your listeners? So I would always ask yourself, if you're going to be on somebody's podcast, like, what can I say to serve those listeners? Um, because it's always about the people who are listening. Um, and even, like, maybe write some bullet points out for yourself don't script yourself. It's okay if you don't speak perfectly. Nobody <laughs> does. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't worry about that. I would worry more about what you're saying instead of how you're saying it, if that makes yeah. sense. Who you're serving instead of how you look when you're serving them, yeah. um, if that makes sense. I just, I just started thinking about Bridgerton again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's so distracting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also would, um, another tip is, and 
these are kind of simple things, but they are scientifically proven. So if you have a lot of nerves before an interview, if you're hosting or if you're going to be on someone else's show, or if you're going to be public speaking or say you're hosting a webinar or you have a Zoom call coming up that you're like nervous about that day, some things that you can do is one, like a 15 minute cardio. Like if you can find time that morning to get some cardio in just to get the jitters out, that will help you perform better later. And like whenever your Zoom call is, wherever, whenever that thing comes up where you need to perform, that will help you. Um, another tip for people I give that helps with performance is doing power poses. Scientifically, this is proven to help you improve performance when you're in front of the mic or the camera. So I would, you know, stand up, act like Wonder Woman for a minute beforehand. And that's again, like standing with your legs, shoulder length apart, your hands on your hips, looking up towards like right above the horizon and just feeling like the energy from the ground rushing through you and reminding yourself of how powerful you are. And you would not have been asked to be on this show if you were not as powerful as you are, or you would not be asked or, or you wouldn't be hosting a show if you weren't as powerful as you are, if you didn't have the expertise to back it up. So it's kind of like, just like this moment of like getting yourself in a position of power before you do this thing that like, there might be some imposter syndrome there which this will help you overcome that imposter syndrome. There is, I can share a couple more if you'd like, or I can leave it there. Just leave it because I have a lot of questions. Okay. I want to get, but I a hundred percent agree. I think the biggest thing when I was starting out was I didn't know how much I couldn't like breathe because I don't practice public speaking like that or podcasting when I was obviously starting out and how much I would just like, come up for air. It's so, it's been a practice, but I feel like I feel so much more confident in speaking and voice, especially in meetings at work. So I've enjoyed that in that sense. Yeah. That's actually a really great benefit to podcasting that I think that like I forget about sometimes is that like, if you're someone who is going to be speaking more in your role, wherever that might be, a podcast will help you like gain the expertise to be a better public speaker. Um, you know, I've interviewed some people who actually used podcasting as like a remedy for their um, like mental health um, as a way to like show up for themselves. They started a podcast because that was like the one thing they told themselves they had to do. Um, it, I did this amazing episode with Annabelle uh, DeSisto on my show, and she has a very popular comedy podcast called Adderall and Compliments, and she used to be a writer for Joan Rivers, and she also like seriously struggles with depression. Um, she openly talks about this, so and she shares about it on my show, but um, one of the things that really helped her show up for herself after she waited the first year after buying the microphone before actually sin is getting in front of it um, was, was do, like regularly going over to her friend's house and just recording podcasts. And that helped her, I don't want to say treat, but it helped her cope um, with her depression or get her out of some of the dark circles she would find herself in sometimes. 
You know, totally. I had such bad managers before where I never felt confident that I could speak up in meetings. Like even if I did, it was just like they would, it wasn't the right idea. Then they cut me off and I just never felt like I could speak up in meetings. And then I had new management and it's just still so hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in this sense, practicing speaking has totally been a game changer for sure. Awesome. And I like talking and meeting new people (laughs) selfishly. Same. This is what gets me out of my like own dark circles and like dark circles. Uh, My, my dark spaces when I in quarantine, gosh, like sometimes we're just kind of stuck at home feeling lonely and like Mm -hmm. nobody gets us. And then you can jump on a podcast recording and connect with someone like really connect with them. And it, makes you feel better (laughs) makes me it feels like ages ago since I even talked to you when I first launched and you were pregnant and (laughs) during uh the six degrees society event you're just like it's really hard for me to breathe right now I'm so uncomfortable (laughs) I really was very uncomfortable that felt like ages ago (laughs) that was a rough pregnancy well my daughter is almost six months old that's crazy I also want to talk about Biggest thing for me is what's so confusing about metrics and tools and what's a good baseline. Like you said, is it a thousand downloads? Is it 30? What are like, how do you break down those stats and metrics and demographics? So, so this is something I, um, I recently launched, um, soft launched, beta launched, beta testing, um, a membership where I'm helping people uh, review their statistics. And like, this is something we do once a month is we do a, a deep dive into people's statistics and we keep um, like, depending on who it is, if you want to keep yourself anonymous, you can. But what we do is we look at the statistics that matter and where to find them and how to strategically move forward with your podcast based on what your statistics are telling you. So where you should be going is wherever you're, you host your podcast to see where people are listening. So I host my podcast on Libsyn and there is a place there where I can see where people are listening. Are people listening on Apple podcasts? Are they listening on their desktop? Are they listening on Spotify? And knowing where people are listening will help me then move forward to perhaps pitch those podcast listening apps, a little blurb about myself and my podcast, be like, Hey, this is what I do with my podcast. If you'd like to feature it here are like, here's how you could feature it. So if you want to be somebody who is more easily discovered, part of that means pitching yourself to these podcasting apps. And, and so if you are looking in your media host to see where are people listening, you might see, oh, I could be pitching myself more over here, or I could be pitching myself more over here. Like I didn't realize people were listening on Castbox. Like I didn't realize people were listening on Pocket Cast. I didn't. I didn't realize this was where people liked to see my, um, hear my information. So, so that is that is one thing we can do. Uh, we can also figure out, um, and I would also suggest going to. Apple Podcasts Connect. Um, This is the same place you go to submit your RSS feed to see um, 
to get your app, your podcast submitted on Apple Podcast. And so once you go there, uh, back to Apple Podcast Connect, you can actually see who's subscribing um, or how many people are subscribing and how long they're li listening to your episodes. So what's the drop-off rate? And if your shows are about an hour long, are people listening to the full hour or are they dropping off at like 40% through or maybe 70% through or 60% through? Like knowing this information and finding trends can help you because maybe your audience would rather have like shorter episodes or maybe your audience likes those longer episodes. Um, and it depends. And having people who listen to I mean, 40% of your show is, I mean, that might be a sign if it's like, like every single episode, it's like stops at 40%, then, then maybe we should think about a small, a shorter show. But if it's 70% and you have an hour long show, that is a like really great engagement. That means people are really interested in most of what you're saying. And that's, it's really good to know that sometimes people will start listening to or, or watching a show and they'll never finish. Right. Or like start a series and never finish it. Like I'm going back to Bridgerton, Bridgerton, something you might go through more than once, but um, some things you might start and then never come back to them. And so it's just kind of good to know who's listening, how they're listening. And then there are other places where you can go to find even more like information about your listener like what's their demographic are they men are they women how old are they where are they living um and if and if they're living in a certain place what matters to them in that certain place like you can find out more about what your audience cares about when you really dive into your statistics um when it comes to the average podcast like how many downloads that has it's about 130 140 downloads per episode after four weeks. So something we talked about before is how podcasts have a long tail where pe like it takes a while for people to actually listen to your show. Um, it might be in their queue and they might not get to it right away. It might be something like it just takes four weeks instead of one week to actually get all of the listeners who are going to repeat listen to your show again and again. So I would give yourselves four weeks to look and then maybe do a monthly statistics review or even like every two months look over it just to stay on top of where you are and figure out where you can be. We did have a lot of questions that came in, but I we will just have to have you back at some point. Okay. But I do want to I do want to get into brunch. <laughs> so let's talk about brunch. What's your favorite brunch meal restaurant? What are you eating? Let's let's live in a fantasy world. So when we're not quarantined, there's two places I really enjoy going. And I live in Los Angeles, California. And one of the places that I enjoyed going to before all this mess is called Peddler's Fork. Peddler like bicycle peddlers. And it is like, there's like this, it's here in Calabasas. It has, um, and I like getting the eggs Benedict and a really delicious coffee. They have their own little coffee house there. And a, there's a lot of cyclists in this area. So they show up to Peddler's Fork and usually get their coffee and then do some sort of crazy ride for like 60 miles down to Panga Canyon to the ocean and then back again. I just go for the food. 
and the coffee. <laughs> and so, and they also have a lot of great options for my kiddos. So I really do enjoy Peddler's Fork and I get um, the Eggs Benedict usually. And um, and yeah, and a delicious coffee. I like mimosas as well. They have bottomless mimosas. I feel like they're not as fun anymore when I'm not out with all my girlfriends. <laughs> So I, I will never say no to the coffee, but I have, I would probably these now with the kids, I feel like there's less time with my girlfriends. <laughs> and I also really enjoy down by Manhattan Beach. There's this place called Simsies, which is right on like the main stretch towards the ocean. And they have a lot of custom IPAs and I'm like, I'm really into IPAs. And so I would go there for the IPA and my favorite thing there is usually the shrimp salad. They have the, these huge pieces of shrimp and this delicious dressing and, and they have sweet potato fries. And so I would usually get like a beer, a salad and some sweet potato fries. That all sounds good. <laughs> I miss brunching out. Me too. It <sighs> will be back again. Hopefully 20 end of 2021 <laughs> we will all be at brunch another question that I also love to ask guests is we learned a lot from you today so thank you but what is one thing that you learned this week and it could be anything <laughs> we were joking about this earlier one thing that I learned this week and I learned this from the good old google machine because <laughs> my daughter is again almost six months and and earlier this week, she started like really hitting herself in the face <laughs> really hard like with her little fist, like right in the mouth again and again. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my daughter? And so I, I you know, Googled, why is my kid, like, what does this mean if a six month old is hitting themselves in the face? And as it turns out, when, you know, babies are teething and they're starting to feel that pain and that pressure one of the ways they relieve that pain and pressure is to hit themselves in the face. And it actually is common for a number of different reasons, developmental reasons for children as they grow up um, from being an infant to a toddler that they could hit themselves in the face with their fists or even like bang their heads against their crib. Like it's not an uncommon thing. So that is something that I learned this week. That is very interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, it's in the mom bucket of my life. And <laughs> saved there forever. Yes. <laughs> the things that I like have Googled like through my pregnancy and after having kids are really weird. <laughs> One time I Googled, can my baby see my nightmares? <laughs> <laughs> can they? I had no. <laughs> But I was like, I had a really awful nightmare when I was pregnant with my first child. And I was like, <gasps> oh, Can my baby see that? Like, will they know? Because they, you know, babies, your brain cells yeah. are like taken from your head and used to create this baby's brain. Valid. So it's like somehow interconnected. And I was like, God, I hope that he didn't see that. It's like a movie inside my body. I don't know. You think weird things. Uh, that should be a new question for me. It's like a final question. Like, what's the last thing you Googled? <laughs> Anywho, thank you for being on the podcast. Final question is, where can people find you on the internet and say hi? 
please find me at my Instagram. It's the Christine OD. Um, I'm on all social media platforms, but that's the one I spend the most of my time. You can also listen to my podcast. Um, seasons one through four are all about how to podcast. And I, I interview successful podcasters and industry insiders about how they did it so that as we move forward in our own podcasting uh, exhibitions, we can learn from them and also find success and hopefully some motivation um, to keep you moving. And my podcast is called Podcast Coaching with Christine. Hey friends, virtual hugs for completing another episode of the Brunch and Learn podcast. Did you learn something new this episode? I sure did. If you're loving the podcast, don't shy away from showing your love consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to hear more guests and episodes, head over to our website at womenwhobrunch.com for episodes, recipes, blog posts, updates on events, and much more. See you guys soon.